Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. All right, welcome to Faith Assembly. Good to have you guys today. Oh, how many have a great 4th of July with your family and friends? Wasn't it awesome? And uh, wherever you were at, uh, God's good. Good to see all of you today. We're so glad you're here, especially if you're a guest with us. Thank you so much for coming to Faith. I look forward to meeting you after the service in the Welcome Center right across the hallway. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we will begin reading with verse number 6. And let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Our teenagers had an awesome missions trip, as you saw on the video, and I think our high school camp starts tomorrow, so they're heading out for camp, and uh, they always enjoy the summer around here at Faith Assembly, and thank you so much for helping making it possible for them to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply the increase, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a great cycle of generosity. It just keeps coming around, doesn't it? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, God, for your sweet presence here today. Thank you that you gave your all for us, that we might know you. I thank you, God, that we can be givers today. We can be generous, and you provide the seed, and you provide all that we need, God. We give you praise and glory for your sweet presence. Anoint your word and help me as I preach. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Turn to someone, give them a high five, tell them welcome to faith, and then you may be seated. There are all kinds of laws in our land. There are what you call civil laws. Civil laws are always changing. They'll change. Legislators get together. They, they make the laws. They devise their plans. They devise the new laws. As, as culture change, they change the laws. And so they are constantly changing and, uh, and going as, as society evolves, so do our laws evolve. There are also criminal laws. Criminal laws change a lot less often. Yet they still change from time to time, but crime is crime, and you do the crime, you you got to pay the fine, you got to do the time. And so, so those things are pretty well set in motion, criminal laws, but they still change from time to time. Uh, for years, capital punishment was the norm in America. And then there was a law that says nobody in America could, there could no, never be capital punishment again. And so that law went into effect, outlawing 
capital punishment as a, as a punishment for crime. But later, it was adopted back again, and now it's on a state-by-state basis. And so many of our states have capital punishment laws on the books that if you do these things, and after so many appeals, uh, if they are not successful, there can be a capital punishment for the crime that was committed. And, so, and yet some states do not have that law on the books. And so capital criminal crimes laws are constantly changing. Then there are also spiritual laws. Spiritual laws. Spiritual laws never, ever change. Because the maker of the law never changes. God gives us his spiritual laws. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the laws of God don't change. They're, they're, they're always the same. They are, they are unchanging. His standards are fixed. His standards are permanent. Uh, they, they never change. Now, what, we, what I read to you this morning in the text is what I call the law of sowing and reaping. It is the principle in the word of God. It is a law that never changes. It is true. It was true then. It's true now. It will always be true. It is one of God's many spiritual laws in the word of God because God is our lawmaker and he never changes. And so there's a law, a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Now the spiritual law has a, has a uh, counterpart law in the natural. And so you see that law of sowing and reaping every day in our lives. That, that, that law occurs in every one of us. What you sow in the physical realm determines what you reap. So if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. You're not going to get squash. You want to get squash, you got to sow squash. You sow cucumbers, you'll get... Guys, this is not rocket science. You'll get cucumbers. What you sow is what you reap. That's a law in nature. It is also a divine spiritual law that God has set up. Okay, you, you with me so far? You sow corn, you reap corn. It is impossible to reap something different. The same is true in the spiritual realm. And he goes on to say in Galatians, God cannot be mocked. If you sow to the spiritual man, you sow good things, you'll reap good things. You sow to the flesh nature, the fleshly man, you'll reap a fleshly lifestyle or a carnal lifestyle. Don't think you can sow to the natural man and reap a spiritual harvest. It won't happen. He says, don't mock God. Don't try to presume upon God and then you can live your life any way you want, feed your mind with anything you want to feed your mind on, uh, watch anything you want, listen to anything you want, and it not affect your spiritual man. He says, what you sow, you're going to reap. And if you think you can do that, you are literally mocking God. It's a law. It's a, it's a universal law of God. Now, now, out of this spiritual law comes some principles. And I want to share those with you this morning. You wanna, if you want to take your outline, they're on the back. You can jot these down. First of all, there is the principle of expectant giving. He's talking about giving here in this context. This spiritual law of sowing and reaping applies to the spiritual part. It applies to our giving. It applies to natural world. It is an immutable law of God. And so and when it comes time to giving, he talks about it, there, there's a law of sowing and reaping in your giving life. So let's look at verse 6 again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's the law of God. You do this, God will do this. You choose your increase by the amount you sow. That's what the Word of God just says. You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You sow generously, abundantly, lavishly, you'll reap abundantly. Proverbs eleven twenty five, an Old Testament scripture, puts it this way. A generous man will prosper. Isn't that amazing? A generous man, a giving person, will himself prosper. God will do that because he's generous. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's just another way of saying the law of sowing and reaping. Proverbs eleven twenty five, The promised of the harvest is unalterable. It will happen. It is under God's control. He says if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. That's under God's department. The, the harvest, the reaping, is up to God. That's what God does. That's what comes up out of the ground. That's what God produces. But the decision to sow is up to us. Kind of like this, this partnership with God that we have going on. The decision is, so God won't force us to plant against our will. In other words, it would be stupid for me to say, you know what, I'm going to the backyard. How many had corn this weekend? Corn on the cob. Just loaded it up with butter and salt and pepper. And we got people who grow corn. There's, they'll bring me ears of corn from time to time out of their garden. It would be Stupid for me to go out in the backyard and, and to pick my corn, and there's no corn there if I haven't sowed corn into the ground. Then we get mad at God. God, how come they get any corn? I really wanted corn July the 4th. Didn't get it here. My neighbor, on the other hand, got all kinds of corn. And we, and we blame God when we don't see the, the harvest. But whose fault is it? It's my fault because I refuse to sow. How can I expect a harvest if I don't sow? And so we get mad at God, blame him for our adversities, for our setbacks, for our failures. But God's already given us the law and his word. You sow, you will reap. It's up to us to plant good seed and cultivate good crops in the soil of our life. And if we are generous giving ourselves and our resources for what is good, then we can expect an unfailing harvest from God. And so I live with this principle of expectancy in my life because I'm sowing that which is good, and so I can expect from God a good harvest because God is a God who never changes. His laws are immutable, and this is the law of sowing and reaping. If we are generous, giving ourselves away. Look at verse number 10. He explains it again. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower. Now, listen to me. Even the seed that I have to put in the ground comes from God. The seed's all his. It's all his. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply an increase 
your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God gives us even the seed itself to be planted for his purposes. So when God blesses me with spiritual blessing, it's to be sowed back into the kingdom of God for spiritual harvest. If God gives me financial blessing, I sow it back into the kingdom of God. I will reap a financial harvest. I sow corn, I reap corn. Okay? God's word. Your seed you sow, God, it even comes from God to begin with. It starts with him. So because all the seeds, God, I want to sow generously. I want to give generously because it's all God's seed. And God said, I will increase your seed. I'll increase the store of your harvest. Don't waste your time or resources sowing seeds of unrighteousness. Because if you do, you will have a crop of weeds. And we don't like weeds. Mess up our yards and mess up our gardens. Now, now one of the things you've got to understand with this principle of expectancy, I sow, and I believe God's going to give the increase. But also, a principle involved with that is, is being patient. You might give in the offering today, don't walk home and think a check's going to be in the mailbox tomorrow. And sometimes it happens that way. I've heard some great testimonies, great miracle stories of how they trusted God and gave, and then God blessed almost immediately. But he says something in Galatians chapter 6. Turn there about this law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 9. Here he's talking more about the flesh and the spirit man. He's talking about finances and the law of sowing and reaping in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. But look at Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I, I like what it says in the King James Version, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. In other words, let me put it this way. There is a season for planting, but you don't harvest and plant in the same season. There is also a season for reaping. So you plant the seed into the ground. You water that seed, you till the ground, God provides the sunshine, uh, God gives us the earth, uh, God gives it back, and then the harvest comes up three months later, six months later, however long it takes, uh, but you don't reap the harvest in the same time you sow the harvest. Now I want to tell you, in the new kingdom, in the new age, there, the, he, the, the, one of the prophets write about the plowman overtaking the reaper. Uh, and so th- th- almost in, in the new age, almost as quick as you're sowing, you're going to be reaping. Bam, bam, bam. He's talking about uh, a picture of heaven and the new millennium and what it's going to be like when God pours out his blessing. And that's an incredible imagery. But normally, normally in nature, you sow the seed and then in due season later, later comes the harvest. So we, we, make, we, we begin by trusting God, giving expectantly, saying, God, I'm believing you, I'm trusting you, but then in due season, the reaping will come. God is faithful to his word. The spiritual harvest will come. It is well-defined. It is well-ordered by God. It is a process that is in God's hands, not our own. And so God will take care of the harvest. I don't worry about the harvest. I just trust God. I give with an attitude of expectancy. 
I don't worry about the harvest because I know God will be faithful to his word. We till the ground, we sow the seed, we cultivate the plants, but God gives the increase for he alone is the Lord of the harvest, not me. The harvest is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to sow the seed. God provides the harvest. So the first principle is is give with an expectancy because this is an incredible law of God. And it's exciting to give. Now, let me give you a second principle that kind of spins off of this as well. There's also the principle of consistent giving. Because I believe God's word is true, then I, I, it becomes a lifestyle pattern of my life. It's just who I am. I'm just become a giver. Because God gave everything, I love to give. And it's kind of that simple. And so there's this, there's this principle of consist, consistent giving. Now, let me give you the backdrop to this story. What I read to you in 2 Corinthians, Paul is taking an offering for suffering believers in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem believers are going through a drought, through a famine. They don't have food, and uh, many of them are dying. And so he, Paul's already sent out the word to all the churches that he ministers in, these Gentile churches. He says, I want you to give to the Jewish church, to the uh, Christian church, but, but primarily of Jewish believers who came to faith in Jerusalem. Because they're going without. In fact, in Romans 15, 27, he says it very clearly this way. If the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them material blessings. So in other words, he's saying, through the Jewish nation came our faith, came the Messiah, came the word of God. Every spiritual blessing has a Jewish heritage to it, okay? Go back to the promise to Abraham and then to David. And all the way through the Old Testament, you see these promises in the word of God. And so we owe a great debt to the Jewish people. And he says, if the Jewish people passed on that spiritual heritage of faith to us, and he says, by the way, anybody who uh, has faith in Christ is of the seed of Abraham. So I've been adopted into the same family, Jew and Gentile alike. And he says, We owe it to our Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem if they provided this incredible spiritual blessing to us. How can we not give of our material support to keep those guys alive? Now notice in the context, he's equating the greater is the spiritual blessing, the lesser is the material blessing. And he says, if they did all of this, how can we not help but take an offering for these guys? You get the context? And this is the same idea that he's writing to the Corinthians, same thought that he wrote to the Romans earlier. So so it's important that we give, but we also, he wants us to give with the right spirit and in the right way. And so how do they take these offerings? Turn to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16, he tells us how to give. How How do we put the law of sowing and reaping into our lives? How do we give to meet the needs of somebody else? So I'm going to get very practical with you this morning and and try to be very clear. Verse number one. Now about the collection for God's people. We're back to the Jewish people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week. Now he's talking about consistency. On the first day of every week. on on, on, On Sunday. First day of the week. Every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So based on what you make, you set aside a sum of money that's proportional to what you earned. 
saving it up so that when I come, no collections will need to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gifts to Jerusalem. And so now he's talking about as God has blessed you on the first day of the week, set that money aside so we can give to the Jerusalem church. And then when I come, you'll have it all accumulated. It'll be there. You've been building it up over time. You've been very consistent in your giving. It's been proportional giving. You're giving, he says, according as God has prospered you. So you're giving proportional giving. And and he says you will be blessed in every way. The blessings of God are are definitely more than financial. He's blessed us with mercy and love and grace. But in the context, he's saying of all of God's blessings, the very least is financial. And if we can't be faithful in the very least financial giving, how can God bless us with greater treasures? Okay, you, you get his logic there? Offerings are the least. We should do in obedience to the Lord. One of the very most basic steps of discipleship, of following Jesus Christ, is trusting God with consistent giving. The great starting point for every new child of God. And we do that because of God's mercy and grace and faithfulness. The principle is consistent giving empowers consistent ministry. Paul is saying for God's ministry to expand, for it to go to the Jews in Jerusalem, for, for them to be blessed, it's going to happen through his church, through his people. It's the key to ministry. This church, Faith Assembly of God, requires the ongoing support of faithful givers for us to maintain our church, for us to be able to come in and sit and worship together, For us to enjoy the beautiful communion service we had this morning. Wasn't it a glorious presence of God? For us to enjoy those things, for us to partake in the ministry, it it takes the giving, the faithful giving of the faithful givers of this church. And thank God we've got a host of them who give faithfully, who understand God's principles of sowing and reaping. And God blesses them and they give and the work multiplies. Now, let me take it one step further. I believe the foundation for God's plan in consistent giving is the word we call tithe. Tithe is 10%. It was the minimum standard in the Old Testament. By the way, they had tithes on top of their tithes. But the minimum standard was tithing. All the way back. I believe it's a principle that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Some people say, well, isn't tithing law? And I'm under grace today. And I don't need to tithe anymore. Well, you go back to Adam and Eve and he says, you know what? This whole garden, you can eat anything you want, uh, but one tree, don't eat. Why does God stick a tree in the middle of a garden and say, don't eat this tree? God is saying, don't ever forget, I own the whole garden. Still mine, Adams. Not yours. You get to manage it. You get to be a steward over the garden. You get to take care of it. You get to name animals. You get to do all this stuff. Don't touch this tree. Because this tree is the sign that the garden is mine. So all the way back, he says, there is always a percentage of our life that belongs to God. And then you get to Abraham and Melchizedek, 
long before uh, Moses comes along and goes up on Mount Sinai and gets all these laws about tithing, what does it say? It says Abraham gave tithe of the spoils of his victory. Abraham wins a great victory. He gathers the spoils together, and he turns back and sees the priest of God coming, a, a man by the name of Melchizedek, who gives him shelter and ministers to Abraham, and Abraham gives a tithe or a tenth of the spoils back to Melchizedek. Before, before the law ever comes about. And then God sets up tithing, and he, there's verses all through Proverbs, there's verses through the Psalms, and then you get to Malachi, and he says in Malachi, he says, I have something against you, Israel, because you have been failing me in this area. And so I say to you, bring ye all the tithes, 10% into the storehouse and see if I will not bless you and open up the windows of heaven and pour it out on you so you can continue to be a giver. It's more than law. It is a principle of God. It is the immutable principle of sowing and reaping. And it works. Listen, many, many of you in here tithe. No one could ever talk you out of doing that because you've seen God's hand of blessing in your home, in your family, in your finances, in your life, everything. Because you've trusted God with that. It's an exciting lifestyle. It is consistent. Tithing. Faith assembly is about connecting people to Christ so that they might experience in life. There have literally been thousands of people saved because of the ministry of this church. That's incredible. Altar calls. People will come and give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we had water baptism. We have baptized thousands in the 30 years I've been here of people in water who have said, I give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a new creature in him. What made all that possible? It's the giving of faithful people like you guys to see souls get saved. It is so exciting. You saw the missions trip. What God does in the life of those young people. What we have done all around the world through your faithful giving and reaching the lost makes it all possible. When we give it faith assembly, it's also an act of worship. And so because God gave all to me, when they come down, it's not just collecting the money so we can pay the bills. It goes beyond this. It is a representation of I'm giving myself back to you. God, if I could, I'd stand in that offering bag. I'd jump down inside of that because, God, I want to give my all, myself, my everything to you. But we can't fit in there. And so what I do is I bring my 10% and I say, God, I'm yours. Here it is. Take it. Use it. Multiply it in your glorious kingdom. It's exciting. And I give with gratitude. It's an act of worship. And the reason it's an act of worship is because, God, you gave all for me. You gave your life, your son, salvation, grace, mercy. And because of that, I give back to you. When we live in primary consideration of him, in other words, if if my whole life revolves around him, he is truly at the center of my life, then, then I give in gratitude and I give as an act of worship and I give with thanksgiving. But also because my life revolves around him, I am far less likely to squander that money in just selfish ambitions, selfish gratification. I want to become a giver. I want to sow into, my, sow into God's kingdom. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9 and 11. You will be made rich 
on every way so that you can be generous. Now, notice he says you're going to be rich, not so you can say, look at me, I'm rich. Look what I got. Look at all the stuff I have. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's the whole thing I shared last week about are you a reservoir or are you a river? Are you a channel that God can flow his resources through? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, because of your generosity, lives are being changed. And people are turning to Christ. And they're becoming thankful. God is your provider. He's worthy of gratitude and praise. And so I commit myself to be a consistent giver or be a good steward of the provision And I bring my offerings then on the first day of the week for God's work. So we follow that pattern. On the first day of the week, let everybody lay aside and store that which God has blessed them with. So when the ministry needs arise, the funds will be there and we can meet the need. And that's God's plan. So we give regularly and consistently. Now the third principle that just jumps out of this law of sowing and reaping, and it's it's the principle of hilarious giving. Hilarious giving. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7. He tells us very specifically, right after he mentions the law of sowing and reaping, he then tells us how to give it, okay? What kind of attitude we're to give with. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Let me tell you a story. A guy, a guy was driving an armored truck, okay? He's driving, true story. Armored truck. And, and uh, he had not latched the back door very well on that armored truck. And the back doors flew open, and the money was being sucked out of the back of that truck. And, and cars are swerving all over the road trying to stop to grab that money. And pandemonium breaks out. And he, does, he goes for a little while before he realizes what's going on. Finally, he stops the truck. Money has been flying everywhere. There's even been some fender benders of people reckoning to somebody else so they can jump out of the car fast enough to grab that money. Okay? Well, needless to say, that truck driver lost his job. And uh, it was no longer employed as a security guard by that company. Now, th- th- there are several forms of generosity. Several forms of generosity. In the case of the flying money, the, generation, the generosity was unintentional. It wasn't meant to happen. It was, here's all this money. By the way, when, they, when the police came on the scene, they recouped the money. They were about seven, several thousand dollars short of what should have been in there. So they were stuffing it in their pockets and they were running off. Okay, that's a case of generosity, but it's unintentional generosity. Okay, no one meant to do that. It just happened. And then there's sometimes generosity can be reluctant. And so some people are generous, but they do it under compulsion. And he writes about that in Corinthians. He says they give, and they know they got to, they know they have to, they see the need, but they don't want to. It's so hard to give. And they're giving under compulsion. They may be generous. They may give a lot. But they give with the wrong motives. And Paul says, don't do it that way. Don't do it that way. And sometimes generosity can be manipulative. In other words, somebody can speak to your emotions, can manipulate you, 
in a certain way, to move a certain way. And so we give with ulterior motives, and sometimes we even give so that I can be made rich myself. And so we've heard a lot of uh, uh, sowing and reaping, but sometimes the sowing and reaping is not so we can sow again, it's so I can just reap. And if it stops with the reaping part, you've missed God's point. You're giving so you can get rich or get wealthy or get something back. Now, we give with an expectancy. It doesn't change what I said in point one, but I give and I expect so I can give again. And I expect so I can give again. And it's a cycle that just keeps repeating itself over and over again, but I never give with a motive so I can be rich or drive a bigger car or have a bigger house. And sometimes this message gets a little distorted. Understand what I'm saying? Are you with me here? I'm I'm, not... But God says true generosity is I give with joy. I love to give because I love my God. And God owns it all. And it's all his. And so I give with joy. The word here in the King James is cheerful. It can literally be translated hilarious. It's uproariously a delight to give. Not grudgingly. Not Scrooge. But freely and happily. A hilarious giver gives hilariously gives cheerfully because he remembers that Christ was infinitely rich. And the Bible says he was in glory with God. But for our sakes, he became poor that we might be made rich in Christ Jesus. And so because of what Christ did, he gave himself for us. He became poor that I might be rich. I can't help but give back hilariously, cheerfully, joyfully, excited. Thank you, Jesus. That is our motivation. That is our reason. He gave his son to purchase my salvation. He gave us the Holy Spirit as our comforter and as our guide. He gave us the promise of life and life more abundantly. He gave me the promise of life forever with him in all of glory. He gave us free access into his presence, uh, allowing me to come with my petition. And not only can I seek God and pray, but I can believe God that hears me and he will also answer me. So my question is, how can I not give? And I do it hilariously, joyfully. Can you imagine? Let me, let me just take you back into the New Testament. The, the, the disciples, Jesus is out teaching in the wilderness. He's a long way from any city. Been out there two or three days, three days, and, and everybody's getting hungry. They haven't eaten. They're starving. Crowd, 15, 20,000, 5,000 men. That's the only number we really get. So there's 15, 20, 25,000 people that have been following Jesus to hear his stories. And he, and he finds a lunch, a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And, and he gives it to the disciples and he said, here, you feed them. He takes it, blesses it, and says, here, now feed them. If you read the text very clearly, the disciples did the feeding. Some people have a a picture of Jesus Christ just sitting up there keeping multiplying bread. It was actually the disciples who did it. Once Christ started that process, he turned it over to his disciples, and they started to do it. Can you imagine the disciples? Now, look look at this. Here's Thomas, doubting Thomas. I got a little basket here. They've sat down in 50s and 100s, and I'm responsible for several hundred right here. I got all these sections I got to feed. Okay, God, I'll try it. Bam. Enough fish, bam. Enough fish, bam, 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 bam. Every time he gives it away, there's more in his basket. Phenomenal. 
Thomas is jumping up and down. He's going, here's some fish. Here's some bread. He's throwing it all around. They're catching it. It's just like Lambert's in Springfield. Here's a roll. Bam. You catch it. It's yours. It's there. Just hilarious, joyful giving. He's not grumpy. Oh, I've got to give this fish away. There might not be enough. What does God do? He multiplies it. He multiplies seed to the sower. Food for the store. He, he's the multiplier. Why do I worry about giving when God is the bread maker? When God is the multiplier? When God is my source? Why is it even a problem? Man. God has promised when we partner with him to supply all of our needs. Now let me, let me give you a scripture. And we quote this, but sometimes we quote it out of context. The scriptures, Philippians 4.19. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now that promise is given to a Philippian church who had just been challenged to give. He tells the Philippians to be generous. And he says, here's the promise. You become generous, I'll give you this promise. It's a promise, I'm giving it to you. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now listen, what more do we need than our needs being met? What more do I need than my needs? Right? Are are you tracking with me here? What can we give in return? 2 Corinthians 9.8 says it this way. He is able to make all grace, I read it to you earlier, abound to you so that all things at all times... Having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So here's the logic. Listen to me. If I really believe that promise, that God will supply all my needs according to his riches, why am I so fearful to give? Why am I so stingy? Why do I hold everything with a tight fist? You don't believe his promise. Because if you believe his promise, when I give it away, God will supply my needs. When I give it away, God will supply my needs. When I give it away, God will supply my needs. You can't lose. As a hilarious giver, I give with anticipation of how God can use me to advance the kingdom. And God, I'm partnering with you, and I'm giving in this offering because I believe souls are going to be saved right here at Faith Assembly of God. I believe the word's going to go around the world. And so what a joy to give back to you. God, I'm blessing others, and at the same time, I receive joy because I know others are being blessed. And I give with a smile, joyfully. God has promised to provide, and that promise frees me up to give. God has promised to provide, And that promise sets me free to give. And so how do I give? I give with expectancy. God, the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. It may not be tomorrow, but God, your harvest is coming. I give with consistency. On the first day of the week, I set aside. And so I'll trust God. And I'll start with tithing. And then I move beyond extraordinary giving and abundant giving. And then third, I give with joy, knowing that I can be a channel of blessings that other lives will be touched 
and changed through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Oh, what an exciting law. The law works. It's unchangeable. It is immutable because it was given to us by God. And it says his word. Word shall never pass away. I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to trust God. Try God. Let God open up your heart and just begin to see the incredible things that God will do. Now listen, we've got so many faithful givers in our church, but we just wanted to hear one of their stories today. So just take a look at the screen and just see how this law of sowing and reaping works in a person's life. Hi, my name is Al Walters. Um, My wife, Debbie, and I made a decision early in our marriage that we would be faithful givers and plug into this stewardship way of life. We were both Christians when we got married. Uh, I got saved in, in our in my late teen years at a Baptist church. Uh, she was a Christian, and um, we just knew it was the right thing to do. We didn't really talk about it that much. I think it was just a mutual understanding that we knew it was the right thing to do. God says in the Bible over and over again that he will bless you beyond measure if you follow his stewardship way of life. And um, quite honestly, we have been blessed beyond measure. I worked for a civil service job when um, the first 13 years of our marriage. I pretty much made the same thing that all my co-workers made, but we always seem to have more. Um, we always seem to have a better house, better cars. Our kids always seem to do better in school than, than a lot of my friends. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is because of our stewardship principles in life. And um, we plugged into it. I think one of the th- understandings that my wife and I came to early in our marriage that, that um, if we couldn't live off 90% of our income, then 10% wasn't going to make that much difference. And we have counseled friends and counseled that, that was having financial difficulties. Um, and quite honestly, even our children, you know. And the first question we always ask, are you tithing? Are you giving to your church? Because we know that's where it starts at. They're not going to have financial peace. Anybody is not going to have financial peace if they don't plug into that stewardship way of life. You have to give God his 10% first. After that, you know, everything, is, everything else just kind of comes together on its own. One thing my wife and I has found out is that it don't only apply to your finances. Um, it applies to other areas in your life. If you want your children to grow up to be responsible adults, then so in the life of other people's children. Um, work in faith kids or, 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 or the teens. Help out there because when you're sowing into other people's children, your children are going to be blessed. You want to have a better marriage. I can't tell you the amount of baby showers or, or bridal showers my wife has had at our house. You know, We've even bought bridal gowns for, for women that couldn't afford them. In our, and because of that, this year, as a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks, my wife and I are going to be celebrating 40 years of marriage. And we know our marriage is blessed because we help bless other people's marriages. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know our children are blessed because we've helped bless other people's children over the years. And it, it, it just applies to every area of your life. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, our, we have two biological children. We have one adopted child. When we adopted this child, we knew she had some learning difficulties. And uh, we, we, of course, when we adopted her at two years old, we tried to get her all the help that we could find. And doctors told us, several doctors told us that she would never advance past the sixth grade. 
that emotionally and mentally and physically she won't she won't advance past that age. Well, this year she will be enrolling at um, Charleston Southern University as a senior. She wants to be a school teacher for um, young children, and she wants to be a missionary in Haiti. So only God's blessing can bring those things to life. Only God's blessing will make those things happen. And I know it's because we've been committed to a stewardship way of life. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Listen, I just want to challenge you guys. Start trusting God. Start trusting God. Start believing God. Start believe, Start get a hold of the concept. It's all God's anyway. It all belongs to him. And then start sowing back into the kingdom of God in different ways. You start a tithing. 10% is a great place to start. For some of you guys that have never done that, that first check may scare you to death. Just say, God, I'm giving hilariously. I'm giving joyfully. God, this is going to work. Yeah, hallelujah. And let it go. And watch, and watch, and watch, and see what God will do. And in due season, in due season, that reaping will start. And he'll bless you with more, and then you give more, and it just, it, just, it just keeps on going and going. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be partnering with God every step of the way. We partner with God in our finances. We partner with God in our marriage. We partner with God in raising children. We do God's way of living our lives and living holy and righteous lives. We just partner with God in every area of our life. And so don't, don't let this be the one area you, you, you hang on to and say it's mine. Let this also be a partnership with God. It's a part of who we are. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.